Hello, my praying people, and welcome to this episode of the Prayer Clinic Podcast. Today, I am rambling again and going to talk about our difficulties in life, the fact that life is difficult, and there's no getting around that. I know I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but I pray that you'll be encouraged by this particular um, podcast that I've prepared for you. I've no doubt that you know someone that needs to hear this episode of the Prayer Clinic Podcast. And so please share this podcast with your friends so that they too can be encouraged by the truth that that I'm speaking of. Also, if you would take the time to subscribe to the Prayer Clinic Podcast and to rate it, then you will help us become even more visible out there in podcast world so that other people might be able to enjoy the encouragement that we have here as well. Enjoy this episode I've prepared for you. I've been thinking a lot lately about our preconceived notions about life. So many times we get um, uh, bum-fuzzled. Is that a word? (laughs) So many times we get bum-fuzzled because we expect something out of life that is unrealistic. For instance, when I first became a pastor's wife, I had unreal expectations. For some reason, in my growing up, in my church years, like I was privileged to get to grow up inside of the culture of the church. My parents probably enrolled me in what they call the cradle roll at church, where your name actually goes on to somebody's roster before you're even born. And so I grew up in the church environment, the church setting. And for me, as a young child, church was a happy place. It was a place where I learned um, who I was. I learned that God loved me, that I was special to Him, that He created the whole world to express um, the beauty of His love for me. I learned at church all about Jesus, and I learned, um, and my observation at church was that people um, believed what they taught. I I could see them having great relationships with each other. My parents had healthy friendships with other people at church, and so church really was my happy place. Of course, my home was a happy place. My parents loved one another, and and um, we had a, a happy home. Um, school was a happy place. When I went to school, it did not disagree with what I was learning at church. Uh, we learned um, to be respectful of the flag. I remember us retiring an old school flag at our out in the parking lot, and just the pomp and circumstance that went with that. It was kind of a reverent thing that we were doing. And school was also a safe place. It was a place where things you could you knew what the boundaries were. You knew what you could expect. Teachers kept order in the classroom. And I guess as a child, I didn't know. I didn't look behind the curtain. You know, I wasn't like Dorothy at the Wizard of Oz when she gets to Oz and the and the great wizard says, do not look behind the curtain. So I didn't I didn't go to the teachers' lounges and and hear what else might have been going on. I I wasn't in the church staff meetings where they were working out um, details about things or or walking through difficulties of things that challenges they were facing. I I was just a kid. I showed up and I and I did the stuff that kids do and and it was good and I loved it. And so when I got to be an adult and 
married a guy who wanted to be a pastor, and we ended up uh, or landed in our very first church, which um, is going to end up being our last church that we serve full-time as pastor, our first and our last, uh, I, I had no idea that what went on behind the curtain. And so my unrealistic expectation as a pastor's wife was that everything I had experienced as a child, I was going to continue to experience as an adult. And um, quickly, probably after one of our first couple of church uh, conferences, you know, I don't know if you know what I mean when you hear me talk about a church conference, but in a small church, that's the time that you get together. Uh, We did it once a month and you discuss church business. And this isn't the business of who we're going to baptize this month. It's the business of... um, how much was the light? Uh, can we put a, a window in the door or not? Um, who's mowing the grass? And, um, you know, things like that. So it was at those business meetings that I realized that even though my good husband, my adorable good husband, who had only the best interest of everyone and was seeking um, and working hard to follow hard after God, that sometimes his ideas were being challenged. And sometimes uh, it seemed to me in my seat that his ideas were being challenged in some petty ways. And sometimes people were probably... Um, presenting some legitimate challenges, but because I was so wrapped up in my pastor emotionally, it hurt my feelings. And so I took some things personally. And in my first couple of years of being a pastor's wife, I realized that I could do and navigate this role much better if I would get rid of some of my unrealistic expectations. And through the years, I've learned that in all kinds of areas of my life, that it's my expectations that cause my grief. It's not really the realities that are going on around me. It's not the things that are going on around me so much that it is the fact that the things going on around me are destroying the preconceived notion of how I thought things would be. Does that make sense? I think, and I've probably mentioned this before, that we're we're moving toward Mother's Day. It's coming in just two weeks from the time that I'm, well, really, it's a week and a half from the time that I'm recording this podcast. And I mentioned in my blog post that also will go out live with this podcast this week that I'm working on a message And we're in the middle of the Truth About series, and um, my husband has already preached two powerful Truth About messages. One was the Truth About Easter on Easter Sunday, and then um, this past Sunday, he preached on the Truth About Heaven and Hell, which is a, a truth that not enough preachers are preaching about, I think, lately. And um, with so many people deciding that hell doesn't exist, I've got my own opinion about that whole conversation, but I'm not going to get into that right now. It would be chasing a, a rabbit trail. And then this Sunday, our um, associate, our other teaching pastor is going to be preaching on um, the truth about the Bible. It's going to be a good message. And then they roll into Mother's Day, where I traditionally speak on that day, and I'm going to be sharing the truth about women. 
And so I wrote my blog post about my fear and trepidation in my preparation journey, getting ready to share that message. So I encourage you to go over to my website, leannemccoy.com, and take a look at that blog post that I've written um, about my journey in preparation. But in thinking about sharing that message and just um, in thinking about the truth about anything, I realized that so much of our pain in life is created because we've inadvertently or subconsciously or simply because we don't know, we've embraced this um, mindset that life should be this way, and when it's not, something is wrong. And we then get in this mode of we've got to fix it so that life will get back to how it should be. And what I'm rambling about and want to say today is that life is not without its challenges. <laughs> and I, I know I'm not telling you anything new, but to recognize that and realize that many times what creates an even greater challenge is that we think life should be without its challenges. And so when the trials and the difficulties and the disappointments come our way, we, we either think, oh my goodness, I've done something wrong or if I had just done something different, I wouldn't be in this situation. That's one way we approach our difficulties. Or we think, oh my goodness, I can't believe they did that to me. And we're astounded and surprised and wounded by the fact that someone we trusted had the audacity to hurt us in that way. And so the, the reality of what's going on with us is incredibly contrary to what we thought about that situation. Or, we're, or we face the difficulty and think, I've just got to hurry up and get back to good. I've got to hurry up and get back to good. I've got to hurry up and fix this. I've got to fix this. It's got to be fixed. It's got to be fixed. It's got to be fixed. And as, I'm, as I talk about it that way, I'm reminded of um, a day when I was talking to my older sister. I'm one of four girls, and my older sister, Sharon, uh, went to be with the Lord in 2015. But this was prior to that, obviously. We were sitting down, and we were having a conversation. And all through the years, she and I did not see things eye to eye. We grew up in the same exact home. We had the same parents, but we both had very different relationships with our childhood, with our home, with our parents. We literally shared the same room. And so we knew each other well. Like she was the first person that I had to learn how to live with. And um, I knew that we didn't see things eye to eye. We approached life from completely different directions. And it caused some friction many times. But one of the greatest sources of frustration was that she thought that I was living a fairy tale, like all my dreams had come true, and that she was living a life where none of her dreams had come true. So in her, from her seat, she felt like I had great expectations and I had attained them. And um, from my seat... I felt like she had um, just been dealt a pretty, some pretty hard blows, but she got so down on herself that it was hard for her to get back up and go on again. And it was always frustrating to me because I wanted to fix her. I wanted to, I wanted to make her life great. I wanted it to be good. And so not only did I have this preconceived notion that my life should be good, and I had in my mind what that was supposed to be and I had a lot more control over my life than I had hers, but I also had in my mind that how her life should be. 
<laughs> and that is not a very good place to be because we cannot fix somebody else's life for them. But anyway, on this particular day when we were talking, I was trying to explain to her the what created stress in me. And this is probably very telling to you as you hear me say this. And I said, you know, Humpty Dumpty. Um, you know how Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. She's like, yeah, yeah. And I said, I feel like that even if all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again, somehow I can figure this out and I'll be able to put him back together. And she looked at me and she was like, oh my goodness. She said, that is very telling about why you and I approach things completely different. Because, she goes on to say, if I had walked by when Humpty Dumpty fell off that wall, I would have looked around and thought, somehow, this is all my fault. And you see how two different people with two different outlooks on life approach the exact same reality and have completely different reactions to them. And I thought, oh my goodness, I could not even imagine going through life feeling that way when things went wrong, that somehow it's all my fault. And of course, she could not imagine going through life feeling the way I felt, and that was when something went wrong, somehow I can fix this. You see, we all have... Um, our perspectives on reality, and our perspectives create our experience. It doesn't change what is real and what is not real. Our perspective just changes how we experience reality. And so um, with that being said, I think that many times when we're struggling with something in our lives, and, and most most of the time, well, maybe not most of the time, but often in our life, we are struggling with something. <laughs> I, at least that's been my experience for the past 12 years of my life. Um, prior to that, I had kind of normal struggles here and there in the last 12 years of our, my life. I feel like the struggle has been relentless. But what I've realized is that when what I first set out to do was fix it, like I'm going to fix this, I'm going to explain it, I'm going to interpret it, I'm going to fix it so that I can make it go away so that it's it's better in the end than it was in the beginning. And, and, and I'm on this mission to fix it. Even when I wrote my first book on spiritual warfare, which was um, spiritual warfare for women, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, of course, <laughs> I um thought that if I could just explain to everybody how spiritual warfare works, then we would be able to live our lives um, in a constant state of victorious experience and understanding. And so when the struggles have come my own way, where I've had to practice what I'm preaching, I've been astounded at how hard it is sometimes to stay in that victorious posture. And truth is, the biblical truth is, we have the win. Whether we are experiencing that win or not depends on whether we believe it or not. But we have the win. Like, whatever struggle you're facing, you win, even if you don't know you won. But what our what our goal is, is to begin to um, 
understand and live in the knowledge that we win. And um, we do that by clinging to God's truth. He always has the right perspective, no matter what the situation is. And God's truth is that in this world, you will have trouble. There's so many troubles in this world. And Jesus assured us that in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And in me, you may have peace. And so, my friends, the truth today is that we can have peace. And that doesn't mean just have it. It means apply that peace to our minds, our hearts, and our spirits. We can walk in peace no matter what difficulties come our way. We really can. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to skip and and jump and shout hallelujah every step of the way. Um, Crying is not ungodly. There'll be times when we're shouting and crying and slobbery mess crying and and weeping and wailing. But even in the weeping and the wailing, deep-rooted in us, there is peace. There's peace that knows that this isn't going to last forever. There's peace that knows that somehow, some way, God's going to stand by his word and he's going to get it done. There's peace in understanding that, that even if the very worst happens, we're never alone. And because we're never alone and God's right there holding us together, we'll never be undone. And that some way, somehow, we will make it through whatever difficulty we're going through. And so the, the truth is, Life is difficult. That's the truth. Life is full of challenges. Life is full of disappointment. Life will twist us and turn us. And um, it is not, life is not out to get us. It's just life. One time my husband Tom was preaching on the story about Jesus getting into the boat with his disciples and saying to them, let's go to the other side of the lake. And in the middle of the lake, the storm just uh, suddenly rushed in on the Sea of Galilee. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. I've been on that lake. And when we're out there, the people that are driving the boat tell us that it's a, a very common thing. The way the landscape is and the way that the sea just kind of nestles in between the mountain ranges. They say it's very, very common for the weather to change just uh, 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 quickly and to be unprepared for that change. And on the Sea of Galilee that night, that kind of change happened. And remember, the boat was tossed and turned and this way and that and and taking on water. And all of the disciples were afraid that they were going to drown. And Jesus was asleep in the boat with them. And and finally, they woke him up. Finally, I would have woke him up right away. There's several things about this story that confused me. One is that, (laughs) that he was able to sleep in that kind of a storm. That tells me two things. One is he was tired because Jesus was fully human. But the other is he was at perfect peace because Jesus was fully God. And so he's asleep and they wake him up. Don't you care if we drown? And Jesus gets up and and he, he looks around, he sees what's going on and immediately he speaks to the wind and says, peace, be still. And as quickly as the storm started, it ended. And in the, in the quiet of that moment when all of the disciples who were once afraid of the waves are now 
overwhelmed at the calmness. And they're in kind of a fearful awe of the kind of person in their midst, this man, this, this son of God, man, who even the wind and the waves obey him. And then he, 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 begin, he looks at him and he says, ye of little faith. And, and what's interesting to me is that in that moment, these are his guys. Like these is his, this is his close group. These are the ones that he's poured himself into to, to carry on the legacy of his, of his ministry. And he rebukes them for having so little faith. And why would he do that? Because when he first got in the boat before there ever was a storm, he said, let's go to the other side. My friends, God has already told every one of us when we got in the boat with Jesus, when we accepted Jesus's gift of salvation, when we knew and understood that his death was our death, that he'd paid the penalty for our sins, that he was wiping out the stain of separation that was keeping us from being able to be connected to God. When we recognize that that's what Jesus was doing on the cross, and when we chose to believe the message that's been given to us through the ages that Jesus didn't stay dead, that he rose again on the third day, giving proof of the victory and the power he has over life and death and the life ever after, that everything he has said to us is true and complete. And when we said, dear Jesus, I receive this, under- I receive this gift that you've so lavished on all of us and I choose you. Please forgive me of my sins. I want to be in a relationship with you. That when we, that was when we got in the boat with Jesus. We got in the boat. And when we got in the boat, you know what he said? Let's go to the other side. And my friends, I don't know what kind of challenges and difficulties and how high the waves are and how violent the wind might be in the storm that you may be in today but you're in the boat with Jesus and he has said that you're going to the other side. You're going to make it. You're going to make it to the other side and you're going to get there intact. You're going to get there ready for what he's got for you on the other side. And in between now and then, it's not our ambition to avoid life's difficulties. It's not our ambition to um, to somehow figure out the secret formula to making the challenges of life become not challenging. You see, it's our adventure to hold on for the ride and recognize that with Jesus in the boat, even if he seems to be sleeping, we're going to be okay. I wonder what it would have been like to be in that boat with those disciples that day. I, uh, I probably would have been shoveling water and, and um, terrified out of my gourd and thinking I was going to die. I wish that I would have been like the rougher the storm got, the closer to Jesus I'd want to be, and that I would have just crawled up into whatever space he was in and nestled close to him thinking that, If anybody was going to survive this, it'd be him. So I'm going to stick close to him. (laughs) But either way, I think Jesus's rebuke was not one of, oh, for goodness sakes. It wasn't like that. 
It was more one of compassion that was saying, come on, guys, there's a lot more storms you're going to face when you're living in this world. But know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And no matter how storm-tossed your life might be, I'm right here. I'm with you. I can speak the word, and it'll be over in a second. And my, and if if he's not speaking the word and making your storm be over in a second, there's good reason for that. And he's going to take care of you until he does speak the words. This morning, I was walking with a friend, and we were talking. We were walking, and we were talking. And we even said, you know what? This walking and this talking is much better than chemicals that doctors might prescribe for what goes on with us. So I encourage you to get a good friend that you can walk and you can talk with. And as we were walking and we were talking, I, I was saying that I felt like God had put a blindfold on me in the storm that I'm in right now. It's like, I'm in the storm, I'm in the storm, I'm watching it, I'm I'm trusting him, I'm, it's messy, you know, but I'm trying to believe and I'm um, um, trying to be a good steward of the, the, the storms that I find myself in. And then God leaned over to me, he's sitting right here with me, and he said, for this next part, I want you to wear a blindfold. And so he's tied the blindfold on me and I'm going, oh my goodness, it's a whole new level of experience not to be able to use my mind, my eyes to see what's going on. But I picture God not sitting there worried now that he doesn't have my eyes helping him watch out, but like just grinning to himself because he's like, this is about to get really fun because I'm going to take Leanne to places that she cannot even see that she's going. And the fun part to him is the trust level and the leaning into him that I absolutely must do because I'm blindfolded. And then the time will come when we get to the other side and I'll be like, oh, I knew you had this all along. <laughs> and he'll know that I didn't know that. <laughs> we'll, and we'll carry on and we'll enjoy a little reprieve until the next challenge comes our way. So anyway, just a bit of sharing with you that the fact that life is difficult, storms are inevitable, but when Jesus is in our boat, we're going to get to the other side. This whole podcast was inspired by a little bit of a book that I've been reading. And I, the funny thing is, this book itself has been a gift from God because it just showed up on my desk one day and with a, a message and I threw away the paper and it was a promo book. And so I thought, I get a lot of those. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's another person who's writing and wants me to read their book and, and promote it. Well, this person, I looked at the title of the book, and I, I didn't recognize his name is Matthew Kelly, and it says New York Times bestselling author. And I thought, well, my goodness, why did a New York Times bestselling author send me their little promo book? And now that I've read the book, even then I thought, well, you know, it's probably just something, something. And it was a little slow for me getting started. It's called Life is Messy. I'm going to look up and see if it's out there for sale. If it is, I'll link it on my show notes. But I started reading it, and it took me several chapters to know whether this was a Christian writer or not, but he, he definitely is. And then he, I mean, the book is good. It's his rambling thoughts, kind of like my rambling thoughts today on this podcast. But this was the part I read this morning that inspired me to talk about these things. 
and it's actually titled Life is Difficult. And I did look on the copyright page, and it is copyrighted that I'm supposed to have permission to do anything, but that I could do brief quotes. So this is going to be a brief quote from the book. And um, I'm going to read you the section that inspired me. He titled it Life is Difficult. Life is difficult. We can accept that or get aggravated, but we cannot change it. The mistake we make with varying degrees of awareness is that we believe life should be easy and that we would be happier if it were. We torture ourselves when we conflate easy with good and difficult with bad. This false belief leads to a clash of the titans between reality and our illusions. The easy life is a mirage. Those who chase the illusion end up angry, broken, disappointed, cynical, and resentful. Anyone who thinks life should be easy will lack empathy for others in their struggles. They will also lack empathy for themselves when they are being tossed about by life's difficulties. In the extreme, when their own life gets difficult, they may come to believe there is something wrong with themselves. The problem isn't that life is difficult. It is supposed to be difficult. The problem is that we expect it to be easy or we try to make it easy. Life proposes a series of challenges, dilemmas, problems, dissatisfactions, heartaches, and opportunities. How we respond to these events determines the direction and quality of our lives. But we have become so expert at problem solving that we think that life itself is a problem to solve. But the life is difficult problem is unsolvable because it isn't a problem. We set out to avoid all difficulty and friction. This is impossible, so we become agitated and angry. We shun anything that will bring us stress. Pain is unacceptable in this paradigm, so each time we encounter it, we try to numb it. All our efforts to avoid the difficulties of life lead us away from everything that is deeply satisfying. I underlined that sentence. All our efforts to avoid the difficulties of life lead us away from everything that is deeply satisfying. If your goal was an easy life, would any of the following be possible? Meaningful relationships, deeply satisfying work, health and vitality, raising children, starting a business or mastery of a profession or hobby? What are you avoiding that you should be confronting? This quest for the easy life leads us into the abyss of comfort. We begin to see comfort as the antidote for anything that is difficult, but soon the comfort turns to pain. I know it's a paradox, but it is real. It may not be physical pain, but emotional pain and spiritual angst. We are not made for an easy life, so with each attempt at the easy life, we inflict acute emotional suffering upon ourselves. We now find ourselves at a junction. We can return to reality and face head-on the difficulties of life, or we can allow reality to continue to crash against our illusion of an easy life. Many choose their illusions, but they end up suffering more for their avoidance than they would have suffered if they had simply embraced the difficulties of life. Having abandoned the path that leads to everything deeply satisfying, they become miserably discontented and spend their lives complaining about everything and everyone. Only a fool makes an easy life his ultimate goal. When human beings are at their best, they face the difficulties of life head on. They learn to delay gratification, embrace reality, release illusions, accept responsibility for their lives, and live in the wisdom that the most satisfying experiences are often difficult. Such wisdom, this guy wrote, 
And um, it really was what caused me to start thinking about this fact that life is difficult. It's just a part of it. But um, in that difficult place is where we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's, it's, the, it's in the storm that we get to know the, um, the depth, the breadth, the um, actuality of our intimate, dynamic relationship with God. It's in the circumstances that God reveals himself to us and that God pours himself through us. And so my prayer for you, my dear praying people, is that no matter what you're facing, this um, conversation today would just remind you that you're not in it by yourself. And that God will bring good out of this. It doesn't mean that everything we face is good. It means that God has the ability to work good through what we're facing. Lord, I pray for all of us today that we would um, recognize that we're not in our boats by ourselves. That you are right here with us. Lord, I I ask that those of us that need to wake you up will shake you (laughs) and beg for you to get up and calm our storm. And those of us who just are, you know, this storm's going to last a little longer. We just need to have some rest, Lord, that you would open your arms wide and, and draw us close to you and nestle us in close so that miraculously we might can sleep through a portion of this storm. Father, we praise you that you are a God who is with us, that you went to the nth degree by giving your very own son to pave the way for us to be able to experience you intimately connected with us, to us, as a part of our lives. And Lord, because of that, we invite you to use our life story, our um, life experience to show the world um, who you are, what you're able to do, and how much you love them, how much you love us and how much you love them. God, I ask that you would use these circumstances we find ourselves in today to chisel off of us anything that doesn't look and act and love like Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There you have it, my praying friends. What a great world we live in and what a great opportunity we have to experience Jesus in even deeper, richer, more beneficial ways. I pray that as you continue to um, live through your storm, recover from your storm, get ready for your storm, whatever it is you're doing, that you would be able to discern and see how great an opportunity God is giving you to not only experience Him, but to just allow Him to use you as a as a beacon of that experience as you shine into your world. It's what we all want to do. And And I just pray that our hearts would stay pure, our minds would stay bright, and that our spirits would stay full of hope and full of confident hope that he who brought us to it will bring us through it. 
I also want to remind you of the prayer clinic ministry. Of course, that's why we call this the prayer clinic podcast. The prayer clinic ministry is a ministry that your church can be involved in where people who find themselves in difficult places in life can come to people who know that God hears and answers us when we pray. And because of the way that we connect those who need to experience God with those who are confident that God will become experienced in their circumstances, then we get to enter into this discipleship kind of relationship with each other where God is exalted and prayers will be answered. So if you want to learn more about the prayer clinic ministry and how your church can start a prayer clinic ministry, then I want you to go over and check out prayerclinic.com. I want to remind you that we have a virtual prayer clinic open house. And so now you can participate in our open house anytime, anywhere. You don't have to come to our church in Middle Tennessee. We will, though, have another open house at Thompson Station Church where you get to see the prayer clinic in action on a Sunday morning. And our next open house will be coming up in July. So anyway, y'all keep praying, keep encouraging those around you to pray because we know that when we're praying, God is answering and take care, my praying people.